Uh, welcome here. Uh, I'm excited to continue our 30 Days to Live series. And uh, the, the whole idea of the series is what, w- what would you do differently if you found out that you only had 30 days to live? And you can almost assume there's a bit of a countdown. It's a, yeah, th- this, this series is covering the course of 30 days. And uh, we started last week. What decisions would you make that would be different? And uh, we are kind of combining this with our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so if you, as, as you heard Colton say, uh, grab one of these uh, when you exit this morning. And just explains a little bit about fasting, helps you kind of get started. And then if you would join us uh, in choosing to fast something tomorrow uh, for 21 days. Uh, the, the whole reason we, we fast, and the church has been doing this uh, since its inception, is we give up something we need to focus on our greatest need, or something we think we need, something we want, uh, something we hunger or thirst for to focus on our greatest hunger and thirst, which is to know, know God. And so that's what we're trying to focus on during this, this series. Uh, I also want to just highlight uh, another thing, as you'll see in your bulletin and also on the screen. Uh, we're, we're trying to incorporate a little bit more of uh, the uh, Spanish in what, in what we're doing, and there's a Spanish group that's going to be meeting uh, after service in the boardroom. Uh, so uh, if, you, if you speak Spanish uh, or desire to engage with people that speak Spanish, there's going to be a little bit of a debrief of the service that happens following each uh, service in the boardroom to my left and your right. And, uh, and so we're excited about uh, kind of sp- spreading our wings and having more than one language gathering and worshiping together. I believe that God's called this to be a, a suburb of the new Jerusalem. Uh, the Bible talks about every tribe, tongue, and nation coming together and worshiping God. And uh, so we want to be a reflection of that. We want to be uh, a foreshadow of that. Uh, so we have uh, Sam and Dar and some others that have been working hard at kind of bringing uh, different cultures together, and uh, we're excited about that. So can we give a, a hand to Sam and Dar and, and the rest of that team that's been working at that? That's awesome. So this series is about living without regret. Living without regret. It's not about pursuing your dreams or getting everything that you want. uh, But how do we live a life without regret? How do we live a life designed in the orientation direction that God has called each and every one of us to live? I had a heavy dose of Back to the Future as a kid. Any Back to the Future fans here? Marty McFly. Uh, How many of you guys don't know what Back to the Future is? Oh, none of our young people put up their hand. That's, uh, That's good. So I... I grew up on a steady diet of Back to the Future, uh, probably in an unhealthy way. But in Back to the Future 2, they go into the future, and, uh, and they, re- re- they, they get a sports almanac, which has all the uh, kind of details about uh, who won what, when, and uh, there's a group of bad guys in that movie that get rich off of going into the future, finding out what would happen, and then, uh, and then obviously going back in time and betting on that. Uh, so they're... they're they're making sure that they're going to be rich in their future. And sometimes I wonder if I, if I could know the future, would I want to? You know, obviously, you know, it would have been great to know the future, uh, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, and invest in Apple. Would have made a big difference in my life. Or some of you guys, if you go back further, you could invest in IBM. Or uh, there's some of you that could invest in the telephone, and you would be just... or Bitcoin, or something. But our lives would be completely different if we knew the future and could, 
could live our lives today knowing what we know in the future. But what will we lose? What will we lose if we knew exactly what happened in the future? I think part of being human, part of the being created in the image of God is that our choices matter. That your choices and my choices actually help create the future. And if the future was already created and we're only responding to what's already happened, I think that actually takes away what it, a big part of what it means to be human. That God's called us to co-partner and join him in creating the future. And throughout Scripture, we see this urgency to live life today with the end in mind. We know some things about the future. We know that at some point we're all going to die. And that should not lead us to a place of despair or hopelessness, but it should lead us to a place of careful urgency today. In Psalm 39, this was this kind of a theme passage for the series. David prays this. He says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. And I want to read that again, and, and I want us to read it together. Would this be our prayer as we go through the series, as we go through 21 days of prayer and fasting, that we would be reminded how short our life is and we would live in that orientation. We would live with that in mind. Would you pray this with me? Lord, Remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. I'd encourage you even in the course of this series maybe to take that passage and memorize it. That we would live with the end in mind. So if you knew you only had 30 days to live, what would you stop doing? What would you stop doing? I think all of us would stop doing something. Now, like I, I said last week, uh, don't quit your job because this is a, the, the whole point of this is just a, uh, to help live with that in mind. Uh, but what would you actually stop doing? And is that something you should stop doing today? What would you start doing what would you start doing differently? Those two questions I want you to kind of wrestle with over these uh, next few weeks. God, what are you calling me to stop? What are you calling me to start? And hopefully as we move our way through the next few weeks, it'll become easier and easier to answer those questions as, as we orient our lives around God's desire for us. This morning I'm going to look at a story from the Gospel of Mark, one of my favorite books in the Bible. And if you uh, have it with you, you can turn to Mark chapter 10. Uh, it's also in the words to live by uh, in your bulletins if you have those. And I'm, I'm calling him Bart, but his name is Bartimaeus. This is how the story begins. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, 
was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. So we have this guy, Bartimaeus. We don't know how long he was blind for. But we can assume that he's been blind for a long time, maybe since birth, that every day he had a kind of a spot that he would sit, that he would beg. He probably heard rumors of this Jesus that was going around the countryside that was healing everyone that came to him. Perhaps the question arose in Bartimaeus' mind, maybe God would heal me. Maybe if I had the chance, God would heal me. And sure enough, he hears the buzz, the crowd, somebody whispers and says, you know, Jesus is coming. This is the Jesus that you've heard stories about. And so we start shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And you can imagine that Jesus, a little bit of a rock star at the time, everybody wanted to be around him. Everybody wanted to surround him. Everybody wanted a piece of him. Everybody wanted uh, him to encourage them, to teach them, to heal them. You probably had to be quite intent on getting to Jesus if you wanted to have an encounter with him. And Bartimaeus thinks, this is my shot. This is my chance to connect with Jesus. So he shouts. Probably a little bit of a risk. You know, already a bit of an outcast in that society. I'll take a chance. I'll take a risk. I'll shout. Maybe Jesus will hear me. And he shouts out. And the response of those around him was, be quiet. There's enough noise. And in that moment, Bartimaeus had a choice to make. Am I going to push through the crowd, push through the noise... Am I certain of what I want? And obviously, as we, as we read, he does. He, he, he decides that this is worth ridicule. This is worth whatever people might think of me. And what does the text says? It says, he shouted only louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. He gets louder. He chooses the opportunity to potentially make a fool out of himself. Bartimaeus, he needed a desire for change that was greater than his fear of looking like a fool. And I remember a number of years ago, I, I had a membership at World Health Gym across the, sheet, across the street. You know, as I said, had a membership. Uh, and I would go and do spin classes there try and get ready for mountain bike season. And uh, there was this one guy in the class, and he was, he was just super in shape. And, uh, and we got talking in the change room afterwards, and, and I said, you know, the spin class is good for me because, uh, because of my schedule as a pastor. My, often my schedule doesn't quite align with my friend's schedules, and so I very rarely get the chance to go mountain biking. And, uh, and he says to me, why don't you just go by yourself? I said, well, I don't know, I just... You know, what if I broke an arm? Uh, what if, you know, there are bears out there. There's, you know, I hear, 
I hear that there's cougars out there. I haven't seen one yet, but I would hate to see one when I'm by myself. And, uh, and he said to me, he said, if you wait for other people to go mountain biking, you will never go. You'll just be stuck in the spin class. He said, I go out multiple times a week all by myself. And I, I made a decision that year that um, I wanted to mountain bike more than I was afraid of bears, of broken limbs. I, you know, like I said last week, I've, I've broken four limbs in the last two years. Uh, three of those all by myself on the trail. And, I, and I, I was even thinking, you know, if I knew on my birthday last month that I was going to go on my birthday and ride and break my arm, would I have, would I have gone if I would have known that ahead of time? You see, we, we, we can't know the risks in this life, but we have to decide what are the priorities that we want to orient our life around. Do we want to live our life in fear and miss out on, what, on the adventure that God has for us, or do we want to live our life with a sense of risk that has no guarantees? I remember the first, I've talked about this before, the first sermon I ever preached 15 years ago uh, at, a, at a deep stream, you know, which... Shameless plug, we're kicking off again at the end of this month. You know, the lead pastor at the time, Willie Reimer, said, you know, I'll give you a chance and uh, let you preach a sermon. And I had kind of this fire in my, my belly to preach, but I was scared spitless. I, I remember, like, feeling like vomiting, sitting in the front row uh, of that deep stream, being like, I don't think I can do this. I've made a terrible mistake. Uh, and I pushed through the fear, and I preached my first sermon I got off the stage, and there was a, a member of the staff at the time that came to me with a piece of paper uh, with, a, with tallies on it, 57 tallies. And, you know, he came up to me, and I was expecting here, you know, great job, you know, way to step out there. And he said, 57. I said, 57 what? He said, 57 ums. You said um 57 times. And it was terribly distracting. I just, I just crumbled on the inside. I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to preach again. But, you know, I had a desire and a fire in my belly, and I decided, you know, I want to pursue what God is leading me into more than I'm afraid of making a fool out of myself. More than I'm afraid of what other people will think. You know, I've talked a little bit about my own past, even in terms of uh, some of my own addictions. And when I wanted to get out of bad habits, I did decide that I wanted the life that God had for me more than the comfort of staying the same. Bartimaeus, sitting on the side of the road, has a decision to make. Do I want what God has for me more than the comfort of this little mat on this little street that I've known my whole life? Because make no mistakes about it, if he's going to get to Jesus, he's going to have to push his way through the crowd, push his way through the noise. He's going to have to be louder than the crowd. You know, sometimes I think, uh, in, in terms of my kids, you know, I, I don't want them to grow up with this uh, living by fear. And so I, I take them skiing, I take them biking with me, um, you know, Yes, I do. I take them biking with me. And, and they, they, say, they say to me, uh, hey, Dad, do you think I can make this jump? Do you think I can go down this trail? Uh, and there are times, honestly, where I think, no, not a chance. Like, they're going to hurt themselves if they do that. 
but I say yes. Very few times in my life I ever said, no, I don't think that's a, bit, I don't think that's a good idea. I, I almost always say, go for it. Because I want, them that, I want that to be their orientation in their lives, that I'm going to go for it. And there are times where they fall, and they fall really badly. And often when they fall, they're, they're, they are not willing to get it back on their bike, but I make them get on their bike and do it again before we leave because I want them to know that messing up, failing, falling does not define you. We cannot let fear stop us from moving in the direction that God is calling us. So we have Bartimaeus who pushes through this fear, pushes through the pressures around him to say, maybe Jesus has more for me. Maybe there's more that my life could, the outcome of my life could be more than what it is. So I want to ask you the question this morning, what fear do you have to confront? I hope over these next few weeks that you feel Jesus calling you to a life of greater significance, a life of greater purpose. But my guess is that you start to consider that very quickly you're going to start to think of reasons why you shouldn't pursue that. What is the fear that you need to confront in order to step forward and pursue Jesus? The story continues. When Jesus, stopped, when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. Hey, let me just pause there for a second. Like, that's a little rude. Like, Jesus, the dude is blind. You know, what about that, you know, I came not as a leader but as a servant uh, to give my life and blah, blah, blah. And here in this situation, tell the blind guy to come find me. This is Bird Box before there was Bird Box. <laughs> Sorry, some of you don't know what I'm referring to, but uh, just watch them. Just seems mean to me. But, but there's a principle here that we, we, we need to be aware of, that Jesus doesn't do for you or me what we can do for ourselves. Sometimes we expect God to act, but we're never willing to take responsibility ourselves to act. You know, we're sitting on the mat. We're, we're stuck there, and we, we expect Jesus to do everything. But Jesus is not willing to do for Bartimaeus what Bartimaeus can do for himself. Jesus is looking for a partnership. How many of you feel stuck in your life and you're actually pointing the finger and blaming God for not having a different life. But is there something with your life that you can actually take ownership for and do for yourself? Tell them to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. So Bartimaeus threw aside his coat jumped up and came to Jesus. This coat, this place that he sat, this was, the, this was the entire world that he knew as a beggar. There's something symbolically happening here in the story. And in fact, if you read the Gospel of Mark, you will notice that all of the disciples, all the people that chose to follow Jesus left something. Disciples left boats. Disciples left family members. 
Disciples left their fishing nets. Mark kind of draws a theme that there's all manner of people that had to leave something in order to embrace the future that Jesus was inviting them to live. You can't cling to your past and embrace your future. We need to leave some things in our past behind. You need to leave that bitterness behind. You need to leave that unforgiveness behind. You need to leave that debilitating grief behind. Not that grief is a bad thing. There's a season for everything. Some of you need to leave that guy that you're dating behind. He's not helping you. Or that girl. Or that job. That job that you're miserable in, but you'd rather keep it just so things can stay the same and be predictable. You'd rather keep the wrong relationships than take the risk of being alone. You want safety. You'd rather stay in a career that you hate than a vocation that God's calling you that will be more fulfilling. You know, I don't believe all your Instagrams account. I don't don't believe that life is as perfect as as you're making it out to be. You know, that's the problem with social media. We we, we kind of take pictures and create a life that we want to project, but can we, often we end up trying to lie to ourselves when many of us are discontented, when many of us feel like there's more. What is Jesus asking you to leave behind? Who or what do you need to leave behind in order to embrace the future that God is inviting you to? Bartimaeus was willing to leave everything that he knew. He threw his cloak aside in order to take the risk that Jesus could be the change in his life that he was looking for. The story continues. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Really? Jesus is God with skin on. So I I think he probably knew that Bartimaeus wanted to see. I mean, I'm not God, but if if I was healing people and a blind guy came up to me, and I would have a pretty good idea of exactly what he wanted from me. Oh, you're a blind guy. You're coming to me. What exactly would you like me to do for you? Jesus obviously knew exactly what Bartimaeus wanted from him. But again, Jesus is not willing to impose and make us do something that we're not willing to do. He asks all of us the question, what do you want? God did not create us to be robots. He created us to live in relationship with him. And so he wants to partner with us in our lives. And he says to every single one of us, what do you want? He's asking of that of you this morning. What do you want? Do you even know what you want? We're not talking about what others want. We're not talking about the crowd that's telling you to be quiet. We're not talking about what's easiest. It's easiest for things to stay the same. Can you break through what others want? Can you break through what's easiest? 
And can you hear the whisper of God calling you to something greater? And he's asking you, what do you want? And often we don't pursue what we want because of fear, because of our past, because of apathy. To some of you, Jesus is saying to you, get up, come here, take some initiative. To some of you, he's saying to you, there's something that you need to leave behind. And for some of you, he's saying, you need to make up your mind what kind of life you want to live. Are you just going to stay the same? If you don't know what you want, you will get what you don't want. If you don't know who you want to become, you will become whoever somebody else wants you to be. If you don't know where you want to go, someone else will gladly lead you where they think you should go. You need to make up your mind. Who do you want to be? Where do you want to go? What type of life do you want to live? And Jesus says, what do you want? What do you want? It's only when we know what we want that we can say no to everything that wants us. So before we get to the end of the Bartimaeus story, we've got one verse left in the story. I want to I go back because... Like everything, that this story is told in the context of a greater story. And even the story begins with saying, then, and it tells the story. What? This is the story that precedes the Bartimaeus story. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request, he asked. What do you want? They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. We want to be famous. We want our lives to be important. We want to be accepted by you. In fact, if you look at the other texts in the gospel where the story is told, it says uh, James and John's mom came and asked Jesus. You know, 2,000 years ago, we had millennials then. Their mom came and did the work for them. I'm a millennial, so I can say that. What do you want? We want to be famous. We want to be important. We, we, We want... Jesus, we want you to accept us. We want to be the most important people in your kingdom. Jesus goes on to tell them about the suffering that he's going to, uh, that's going to happen to him and says that those who follow me will suffer. And then the story kind of uh, concludes with, with this kind of statement paragraph that Jesus made. It says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you look through history, those who God uses greatly are usually those who have been wounded greatly. Those who have had to push through challenges, fears, things that we would never choose upon ourselves, but often those are what makes influential people. Sometimes we want God to make us great, but we don't want the process that God uses to make us great. We want God's outcome, but not his process. 
So this is the context of the Bartimaeus story. God, Jesus, we want, we want to be great. We want to sit at your right hand and your left hand. We want to be important. We want to be famous. We want to be influential. She says, okay. And says, well, if you're going to be a leader, you've got to be a servant. If you're going to be first, you have to be last. You've got to be a slave. And then not coincidentally, Mark goes into the story of Bartimaeus. And this is the way the story began. So we go back to the beginning. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him, a blind beggar named, what was his name? Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. Do you know what the name Bartimaeus means? It means son of honor. Don't get what Mark is weaving together here. James and John, we want to be people of honor. We want to be famous. We want to be influential. And then Mark says, let me tell you a story of someone who was influential, someone who's honorable, someone who got it. Let me tell you a story of the son of honor, Bartimaeus. See, Bartimaeus was more available to God's purposes in his life because he was closer to the reality of his own powerlessness to his own weakness. The reason the Bible encourages us to live with a sense of urgency, with a sense of the end in mind, is because we should all be living with, a, with, with an acknowledgement of our powerlessness, our weakness, our fragility, the brevity of our life, because that orients us to being available for God and his purposes in our lives. Bartimaeus was a son of honor because he didn't allow fear, status quo, comfort, security, predictability to stop him from moving forward and following Jesus. In fact, the end of the story, this is how the the end of the story happens, or what it reads. And Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road, or literally, the text says, followed Jesus on the way. And again, there's another theme in Mark. We don't have a time to go over the whole gospel of Mark, but there's another theme of Mark of following Jesus on the way. And where is the road? The road is going to Jerusalem. The way is towards Jerusalem. And what happens in Jerusalem? The cross. The crucifixion. See, Jesus didn't heal Bartimaeus for him to have an easy life. A comfortable life. Jesus healed Bartimaeus so he could have a meaningful life filled with with the purposes that God had for him. And then Bartimaeus got up and followed Jesus on the way to the crucifixion. He healed Bartimaeus so he could live the adventure that God was calling him to live. So he could live with that meaning and purpose. If we follow Jesus because we think that's the road to stability and comfort and everything we ever wanted, we'd completely miss the point. Jesus Jesus invites us to follow him to the cross where we come to die. And it's in dying, it's in coming to grips with our death that we truly begin to live. That we truly become available to God's purposes for why he put us on earth. If you get disappointed with God every time hardship comes your way, prepare to get disappointed a lot. Because following God does not prevent you from dealing with hardship. In fact, all of the disciples found when they followed Jesus, all but one, died in a similar way that he did. And so we have a choice. We have a choice to lie to ourselves and think, 
I'm immortal. I'm comfortable. I'm secure. I'm going to keep everything just the way it is. And I'm going to try and ignore death and not think about it. Or we can follow Jesus' lead and say, think about it now. Think about your death now. Die to yourself now. Because if you live without a fear of death, then you're truly available to live for God. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. Many of you are just kind of letting life happen. But when you let life happen, you just end up with the life of mediocrity. You just end up being average. That's why they call it average. Do you want to live a mediocre, average life? Or do you want to live a life with no regrets? Do you want to live a life available to the reasons that God put you on this earth? inviting you. Come. Push through the noise. Push through the crowd. Push through everybody else's opinions. Leave your past behind. The things that you thought defined you don't define you. Let me define you. And then as we're standing before Jesus, he's asking every single one of us, what do you want? What kind of life do you want? How do you want to live? The whole reason we have this board, uh, the wall up in the foyer, is to put the urgency that we want to live with in front of us. What do you need to leave behind? What fear do you need to confront? And what decision do you need to make to respond to Jesus who's standing in front of you saying, what do you want? What life do you choose? Will you choose that life in the next 21 days? Jesus, we thank you that you have done everything that we couldn't do ourselves. Lord, that you came from heaven to earth, that you died on the cross, that you were resurrected again. Lord, that you have made your spirit and life available to every single one of us, but yet you have left that choice to us. Lord, I pray for those in this room this morning who have not yet given their lives to you. Lord, that they would make you king of their lives. That they would say, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Lord, we know that that phrase, Son of David, was an acknowledgement that you are king. Lord Jesus, be king of my life. Lord, I pray for courage in this space. I pray for courage in the lives of each person here that we would push through the noise, push through the crowd, push through the opinions of others, push through our fears to grab hold of the life that you're inviting us to. Lord, I pray for those that are wrestling with our past, things that define us, things that we regret. I thank you, Lord, that you forgive us and you, you wipe our slate clean and invite us to live in a new way today. Lord, may we receive your grace, your forgiveness, and live in that new reality. And Lord, I pray that you would flood our minds and hearts with a vision of the life you're calling us to so when you ask us, what do we want? Lord, we can say with certainty, Jesus, this is what I want. Would you help me? Would you heal me? Would you lead me? Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What do you want? Will you stop pushing away the future and choose the future?
sure that God's inviting you to today. And I'm going to invite our prayer teams forward. As we do every Sunday, uh, we have prayer available at the end of service. If, uh, if you want to respond in, with any of the questions, any of the challenges that you, you're sensing God inviting you to step through, uh, we invite to, you to bring somebody else into that journey. A great way to do that is just coming forward for prayer and allowing uh, other people to come alongside you, encourage you, pray for you. Maybe for you, part of stepping into that journey is and leaving maybe old voices or things in your past is, is embracing new community. You know, we have groups that are starting in the coming week. What a, what a great opportunity to make a new normal, to engage with a new uh, group of people to come alongside of you on the journey that you feel like God's leading you into. Uh, so please grab a, a group's brochure on your way out. Uh, again, our starting point, class number two is happening after service. Uh, if you haven't gone to class number one, that's okay. Uh, you can go to one, two, or three in any order. Uh, and so we just invite you uh, to take that next step if you feel like God's in the need to, to do that. Let me pray. Uh, Father, again, we thank you that you uh, that your spirit gives us courage, that your spirit uh, brings new life. Lord, that you invite us uh, to partner with you in what you're doing in this world. And Lord, as many people come out of 2018 entering 2019 or there's goals and dreams in this room of the differences that people want to see in their lives and Lord I pray that our goals would be oriented around your priorities Lord that we wouldn't settle for less that we wouldn't just be comfortable on the side of the road with our little mat begging choosing to live in the comfort of the familiar but that we would embrace the risk of the future because we don't want to do life alone. We don't want to do life without you. We want to be with you in the journey that you created for us. Pray these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.